0: A word that came up uh, was the self-criticism. Yeah. And criticism is an interesting word. Well, I mean, there's the, the basic making of judgment, uh, analyzing qualities and evaluation of comparative worth of things, uh, such as the critical consideration and judgment of, say, an artistic work or something like that. A comment a review, an article expressing of such analysis and judgment or the act of finding fault is one of the meanings, since your disapproval, mm-hmm. the art principles or methods of a critic or critics, and the scientific scholarly investigation of texts or documents to discover their origin, history, or, or, or original form. And I think that relates here, because translation is, I just think of translation as a form of criticism. The scientific investigation of words, of texts, to discover their original form, where they really come from, what they're really about.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And as uh, you mentioned earlier about, you know, we, we're a little bit in the bubble because when something comes up, we immediately see it as something to be looked into rather than something to be stopped by or frustrated by or scared by, rather something that, that invites criticism scientifically looking into it see what see what it's made of see what its origin is to make a proper evaluation to make a proper judgment to make a proper criticism which implies of course a standard a bar from which to judge by yes in the sense of high bar low bar Uh but uh, a principle again somehow or another a point of one mind a point of agreement on what the value certainly is of something and then evoking the value out of it or, or seeing why value might not not be emerging from it, criticism.
1: So here, I think we have a word, it's a little bit like uh, the one we just did, exploitation.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that.
1: Where you've got the, uh, what you've just talked about, which is like the right use of uh, applying your consciousness to something so that you discern what's true and what's not true about it. Yeah. And on the other hand, when you get to self-criticism or fault-finding, that's when you're in a situation where either you're doing it yourself or somebody else is doing it, where it's more about making you wrong (laughs) or Uh trying to, you know, why isn't this perfect? There's a great story that Rachel Naomi Remen talks about in one of her books where she was a young girl and she brought her report card home from school or a test or something that she had and the grade on her test was 98 out of 100, and the response from her father was, what happened to those other two points? Hmm. So in a sense, it's like, well, you know, you you hold yourself to the highest bar possible, but then it's like it gets a little bit too much when you can't accept that 98 out of 100 is a damn good test score.
0: Yeah. At that point, it becomes something emotional. It becomes disapproval. You're not good enough. You're not perfect. You're not good enough get gets that part of criticism then is uh, well, it's certainly no longer helpful because 98 out of 100 is a damn good test score, yeah. especially if you don't know the teaching methods of the teacher. with the teacher a good teacher? Is the teacher a lousy teacher? Was the teacher wrong for in two percent of the situation? Who knows? <laughs> but absent extensive knowledge to make a statement like that is uh, it, it's an emotional statement. It's made for an emotional reason. It's received a, in an emotional way. And at that point, it's not really the accurate analysis of criticism, but it's rather just an
1: emotional clash. Yeah, and there is that sense of a judgment on you personally, that your value is somehow in question now.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: You know, a really good student would not would not have missed those two points. Hmm. I mean, it's a, the judgment is implied. Yes. And so... We're in a we're kind of a slippery situation here when we when say the word criticism, because I think a whole bunch of people, as soon as you say the word criticism, the first thing they think about is people telling me that I'm wrong.
0: Yeah. Not liking me. Yeah. Disapproving of me. Finding me at fault. Not good enough. Yeah. Criticism, that's that's a, that's a big trigger on the word. But criticism, of course, you know, is in fact what you do when you investigate words or texts or documents to understand their history, to understand their original form. It's an investigation.
1: Which reminds me of the second step in the process of translation, where we, so they're, they're, you're looking at a word or an issue, some sort of something that is bugging you, and you. Mm-hmm. this is where I think having a critical attitude is really helpful, because you start taking it apart and saying, oh, wait a minute, this word uh, comes from another word that means X, and mm-hmm. wow, I never knew that connection was there, holy cow yeah and so it's that discovering the origin of things i think was what you were saying
0: yes yes discovering the origin and and as soon as we do that of course we clarify what's in the second step through through that criticism we clarify what's in the second step and then we can really begin to see see it from a different viewpoint altogether Which seemed like the highest use of criticism but I think if I were translating the word criticism, I'd have to really lean on clarifying the emotional traps that exist in, in just the history of my, my history with the word. Yeah. You and I have both have background experience where we've presented, that is we've performed, gone on stage or on, on the lectern or you know wherever, and we really desire to do a, a first-rate job of that there's a word we use in criticism right away first rate right but you know we have we know that there's a there's a long memory filled background around the word criticism and being criticized as opposed to being critiqued <laughs> which we aren't always able to keep straight and of course we we did study several years with one of the biggest critics we'll ever meet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but
1: he did good critiques he did good critiques Well, as a performer, what you want is somebody with a very good eye to give you a critique, and to because that's how you can take something that's pretty good and then you know move it into to a place where it's absolutely top flight. Because there is a difference. I I had a friend back in Hawaii who was an elementary school teacher, and part of her teaching was you know she did art stuff for the students, and in her opinion everything that the students did was great Hmm. because that's when you're trying to teach students to learn about art the last thing you want to do is say well you know you could have drawn that better (laughs) it's not going to work for sure yeah and i'm sure heather would take the same attitude you know but in fact pieces of art and art in terms of like a play or a, a movie or something they're not all equal some are bad some of the, and, then, and then you have to say, well, by what standards are they bad? This is where criticism gets into what it's really supposed to be about, which is, well, it's bad because the lighting design didn't work. It's bad yeah. because, because the sound design kept getting in the way. It's bad because this actor should have been under better control by the director. And, you know, you can go on and on. Right. All right, so I've gone on a long way here about this, and I think I've gone the long way around. But it's the application of consciousness to something. Criticism is the application of consciousness to some creative product, if, even if it's the creative product of your own mind, you know, showing up as this sense testimony on the sheet of paper in front of you. Uh-huh. And um, that's everything we're about. It's the, the application of consciousness to things to get to understand some principle that's way beyond criticism in itself. That can be seen once you once you have eliminated all of the imposters.
0: Yes. So the the critique, the criticism, begins with a standard. Now that standard, for it to work, for it to really arrive at clarity, or really arrive at an answer that we can all agree on, the standard which we're starting with can't be emotional. Can't be a father's hair trigger over a test score of 98 which comes from who know where, who knows where. But uh, the standard by which a judgment is made, because a, a critique, like a translation when you're in the third step, it's, it, it does involve a judgment. But it's a judgment that rests on that principle that is beyond emotion, that is not emotional, but is absolute in the scientific sense, or axiomatic in the scientific sense. So that standard is the all important starting place of of any critique, and certainly when you're judging yourself, when you're when you're judging yourself, what you're after in your self-critique is really finding out the truth of yourself, finding out what it is in your awareness that is an example of that uh, principle, what in your nature is an example of that principle, which would have to be there in order for you to re- resonate with the principle at all. Yes. In a translation, the judgmental process, beginning with the principle, flows all the way through the critique so that uh, the presence of the principle is really understood as the guiding force of this thing, the guiding force of the critique, the guiding force of your self-analysis. It's the underlying reality that makes the whole situation coherent and brings a certainty to it, whereas you know, most criticism doesn't. It comes this way one day with this way another way another day. But the importance is the principle that we, on which all minds must agree that we start with. And if in a stage play it's the idea of, of the lighting and why it's such a big issue, well, illumination is what the play is after. Clarity mm-hmm. is what the play is after. So there is principle even in the, in the weeds, so to speak, of critique of a, a work. But a proper critique always starts with the principle that is not emotional. It's, it's impersonal. In the sense, but then it's like we use in translation: two plus two equals four. It's impersonal, but it it works anywhere, everywhere, all the time, timelessly, spacelessly, continually, at hand, certain, certain clarity.
1: In a way, we're looking at like the title from one of Mary Renault's book, *Fire from Heaven*. Uh, that was the book about Alexander, the first part of his life. Right. And in a way, we're talking about fire from heaven because we're, we're talking about bringing uh, an axiomatic principle to bear upon something that is aggravating you.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And you're calling down the fire in a way. I mean, there, there are different ways of looking at it, but in a translation, it's not quite so flamboyant. But it's still the same thing. You're reaching into heaven. You're reaching into a, the place of the axioms. That is to say where principle is is perfect and complete.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're bringing that down to your everyday life, which is not perfect and is not complete and is full of holes. And it's got all sorts of stuff to deal with. And you're matching those two things together so that you can bring forth something in your life that is heavenly, where before yes. it looked like a big mess.
0: Yes. Yeah, bring bring forth something that's divine. That's exactly what you do, and it is the calling down of a fire. Because translation is maybe not that flamboyant, but translation is also intense. Because in this process, you say you're you're calling down the principle, putting it up against or next to the mess you find yourself in, and it's a it's a burning through to something different. And you call the fire down. Something is burned up, which is the form the form passes away and the former passes away in the sense of what you perceived as a mess before it burns away into a different kind of vision a different kind of outlook on it perhaps a whole different approach to the aggravating situation or perhaps revelation that what's really aggravating you is something else since we haven't we seem to be very good at making our messes complicated (laughs) (laughs) multi-layered yeah But calling down the fire, calling down with a passion, that which must be so, burns away confusion, burns away misdirection, burns away hidden aspects of consciousness and reveals what principle must reveal. And it does it. It does it. Every time you sincerely do this, something burns away. When I was at Mount Shasta, I used to pile about five people in their small bags in my 67 Volkswagen. (laughs) I <laughs> oh drive from Mount Shasta, leaving after after work on a Friday afternoon, driving all the way to Santa Monica, or in a, in a couple of years, driving all the way to Palm Springs for Crown Mysteries. And one of the new students at, at Mount Shasta, her name was Susan. She was staying there. She kind of met through Bill Floyd, who was living there at that, at that time. And Susan was riding was one of the people riding down in the car to the Crown Mysteries class. And she was very upset about smokers. And, of course, of the five people, at least three of the people in the car were probably smokers, if not four. And she would complain about the smoking. And everybody in the car would basically cheerfully ignore her <laughs> and go on with, with their their smoking, or whatever they were doing. And then one night she complained and complained and complained. And then somewhere between Los Angeles and Palm Springs on the Interstate 10... After a long quiet period from the back seat, Susan said, Oh, fuck it. <laughs> and she never complained, and I don't think was ever bothered by smoking again. <laughs> <laughs> she called down the fire, and that was that. Yeah. <laughs>